Welcome to March and welcome back to the Gate 15 Risk Roundtable. We've had a lot of fun and some really good discussion on our February podcast, and we're glad to start the new month with this installment of the Risk Roundtable. As always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Jennifer Lynn Walker and David Pounder. The first, Dave, is that the proper formal name I should use, like Dave Pounder the first or Dave Pounder? I, I like to think I'm a trendsetter, so I am the first. Yeah, I mean, there's no <laughs> second, I don't think, but nonetheless, I feel like we should have something more regal, you know, than for you. I figure if you start with it and just express confidence in it when you're doing it, people will follow. So yeah, Dave Pounder right. the first. Oh, I God. still like Dave Quarter Pounder. Yeah, well. I, do, I do too, but that's less, <laughs> it's, it's less sort of, again, use the word regal. I, I like the word regal. I always make me think of Three's Company. You guys remember Three's Company, the regal? Yes. Regal? Jack Tripper. I mean, who right? did Yeah. Legend, legend, legend. Okay, I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we can all agree to the important things here. So wait, 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 Company, wait, 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 yeah. wait. We can't go into the discussion with it. Every time, and unfortunately you can't see the group of us because you'd probably <laughs> crack some screens or whatever. But the, the reality is every time I get on a call with Andy uh, of some sort, whether it's a work call, whether it's a podcast or a webinar, he's always got a different uh, shirt on. It, it, sometimes it's the lions and you just throw that away. He's had, you know, wrestlers on there. I, I particularly like the macho man, Randy Savage on there, but yeah. he's got a great one today of Arnold Schwarzenegger commando or is it it's predator it's, I, I, uh, it is predator i think yeah it, it, yeah the the arnold voice of come with me if you want to live that's you know right. or, or maybe that's the uh, or or is that or is that um terminator i, I, I want to look that up in the background while we're talking dave okay Let's look that up do a, little, do a little arnold research back there but it is a great show except you see the modification with this one right with yes. arnold and all his glorious chest come with me if you want to lift Right. That's going to so. have to be the image for the blog post. <laughs> so. Terminator 2, by the way, Andy. Terminator 2. Is that what it is? That is that Terminator 2. All right. well, Regardless, we'll whether, it's, whether it's Commando, whether it's Pumping Iron, whether it's Predator or Terminator, it, they're all good if it's Arnold. That's right. And bonus points referencing Pumping Iron by far the, the best of the bunch, the, the legendary documentary, which everybody should watch on an annual basis. So that being said, I was going to go to a nice segue of Three's Company to three of us talking. You kind of took it off the rails, Dave, but <laughs> nonetheless, you guys doing okay. I trust you're doing well, but you want to share a little bit about what you did uh, last month with your highlights from, from your last podcast or uh, anything you want to share about this coming round? Uh, last month, oh my gosh, it was, oh, I had Dave on. How could you forget? <laughs> How could Forgettable. you forget? Forgettable. Did I have Dave on? Actually, no, seriously, I did. Uh, we talked real estate, uh, ISAC. It was part of still the ongoing ISAC series on the cybersecurity evangelist. And this month, we will have Maya Saab, executive director from the faith-based ISAC. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. Uh, and I have to say, I, I think I did a really good job of keeping that to a low period of time on your on your pod. While I'm mentioning that, Dave, I, I don't know if you're trying to convince everyone else or yourself. <laughs> you did, but you also had a time crunch, and I kept you to it. So I, I forget these little points. I, I I tend to focus on the positive. I was sure. <laughs> good, good job, Dave. As I'm making this one long, right? So. Right. Um, uh, for Nerd Out, we actually had, I, I think we're like, it, it's been pretty crazy. So in January, we talked about the Capitol uh, incident. And, and then in last month, we talked about 
the, the other hostile events as I was uh, bracing for a tornado in my area. So we were talking about, you know, the uh, Minneapolis healthcare shooting uh, or incident. We were talking about a couple of arrests in Singapore. And so I, I feel like we've been focusing a lot on hostile events because, well, there've been some hostile events. So um, I'm interested to see where we're going to go in the next couple of weeks, but that's another story. Maybe that's another topic, Andy. Maybe there's another topic. So also, I I really fun time to your podcast. We're fun to listen to. You always appreciate them. I really good time talking with with my friend and colleague Mark Carrera, talking reopening venues and facilities. It's been a tough year. You know, looking at reopening now as we move slowly towards the light at the end of the tunnel of the pandemic and and reopening facilities. I'm going to tell you because I know Mark's going to listen to this, and I was going to call him earlier today for for something we're we're working on. And so after that recording, which I enjoyed, I thought it was great and, and valuable. I get this strange text a couple of days later, and it's Mark uh, calling me out on, on working out, right? And so I thought, okay, fun little text to share with me. Then I realized he, he posted it to Instagram as well, right? So I don't want to say that this is harassment, but I felt like it was, you know, sort of sort of harassment. So Mark Rare, if you're listening, you know, I, I'm, I'm letting you know we've We've got to we've got to deal with this situation because it was a little bit uh, a little bit intimidating to be honest with me. But but anyway, regardless, besides what, the point, was he challenging you to a like a work off or I what? think he was just I think he was just calling out his superiority is what it oh, was. Okay. I get yeah. it now. That's why you wore that shirt, and that's why Dave made that comment. It all it all it was all together. yeah orchestrated to yeah. just uh huh. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm really excited. You know, last we talked physical security and facilities for last month. This month coming up, I get to talk with a great champion of, of cybersecurity facilities. Jim Whalen has been a longtime colleague. He's done a lot of great stuff across the commercial real estate environment and really been a champion for cybersecurity in this space. So most I this month to talk with Jim about the good work he's been doing, looking at that blended threats nexus between facilities and IT as we bring more and more IoT devices into buildings. And he's got some really great things to share. So really excited about this month's podcast as well. But here we are now, and we've got a lot of things to get into, so let's do this, right? Jen, I feel like Dave has been leading the last few roundtables that we've had, so do you want to kick things off for us with our, our opening round? Yeah, he pretty much has, um, but that's okay. I'm used to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, as far as from a cyber perspective, uh, my world has pretty much revolved around the uh, incident that occurred in the Oldsmar, Florida water treatment plant, um, so I think would think that everyone listening to this podcast has probably heard about it. Uh, I, we're not doing mom shout outs, but even my mom heard about it when we were talking about it. So uh, we're, we're really not doing those shout outs this year, but uh, to her, she's like, yeah, we can let those go with 2020. So anyway, um, but so there's a little one. Um, I, it's, it's been all consuming. Um, so I do support the water sector, water and wastewater sector. And so there, it's kind of been all eyes on on this incident uh, from a security community perspective, as well as uh, mass media, um, public consciousness type of stuff. So I've done a number of uh, webinars and podcasts and well, one podcast so it was interesting being on the other side of the microphone. Uh, I mean, I kind of am, I mean, on this one, but yet, but not, I don't see it that way. Uh, so it was kind of neat being on someone else is, you know, totally um, separate was for the uh, cybersecurity firm or infrastructure security firm Clarity. So if you check that one out, it was on Oldsmar. Um, Michael Arsenault and I, who is the managing director of Water ISAC, uh, had the privilege to be on that podcast. Um, anyway, 
Uh, I think the, the most notable thing about the Oldsmar incident is that it really did bring this uh, concern and this risk and this these threats to, you know, um, more broad awareness, if you will, more widespread concern uh, displayed for the public, uh, you know, that these things were not a surprise to the security community, but they indeed are a concern that needs to be addressed. So we're hoping for um, greater attention for these smaller facilities uh, going forward, uh, more resources. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, they don't know that they can get help. And if you're listening and, you know, even if it's just your local township or I say township, cause that's a Pennsylvania thing, but your local community, your local neighborhood, water, wastewater treatment plant, power, uh, whatnot, there are resources out there. Um, and if you're concerned for the public safety, if you will, I mean, there are they were as far as the Oldsmar was concerned. There are safeguards in place, multiple layers of safeguards that uh, you know would have alerted, if you will, or stopped uh, this ultimate um, threat to the environment or through to human life. Um, would have stopped it before it got that far. But there are still some basic cybersecurity. Uh, controls that these smaller resource, smaller resourced um, utilities need to be aware of. But, uh, you know, they're under underfunded, and they don't always know that these resources are available to help them. So I think that this event, if anything, uh, gets the word out more broadly, and um, the smaller utilities have no choice, more or less, but to take notice and then hear the messaging out there that there are resources. You don't, obviously they don't, no one wants to be in the news for, you know, a, a cyber event or a potential, you know, devastating cyber attack that occurs at their facility. Um, but that's the other thing about the Old Tomorrow event is they are to be absolutely commended for sharing that information, um, even as a small facility so that it doesn't happen again. So, Joe, let me ask you on that, right? So, you know, typically when these things happen, it's a high visibility incident, and, and it was interesting. It was different than things we've seen in the past. But sort of taking a step back, right, because sort of the, the typical thing we hear of uh, inside the Beltway is, you know, well, we've got to investigate this. You know, we, we've got to do something about this. But for taking a step back, the actual what happened, the way the, the adversary was able to access the facility, the fact it was water and what actually transpired aside, there was nothing incredibly brilliant about this, right? And so if we take a step back, can we, can we say that this was a blocking and tackling type issue, right? Would you agree with that? And this was really basic type stuff that while we'd like to see more resources and more, you know, capabilities areas, there was nothing sort of groundbreaking in this, was there? No, there was nothing groundbreaking at all. Uh, it was very basic. A very yeah, basic hygiene, basic blocking and tackling. The things that occurred were things that we in the security community, at least, you know, kind of, I say, hate to say preach, but preach all the time. Don't allow your, you know, critical assets, direct access to the internet. Don't share passwords. I mean, don't, you know, some, something as simple as, you know, we use the same passwords and credentials across multiple sites, just, you know, you and me kind of stuff. But this was a, a reported that the whole, the entire organization had access to this, this set of credentials that was reportedly used to gain access to the remote to the remote access. Uh, so it was just 
if you lose that one key, you're in, in this case, you're losing the, the entire key to the entire kingdom. And that's just bad hygiene. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's really important. So I think you know, people react and it's, it's unfortunate we see, you know, bad things happen for avoidable reasons. Right. But even now, and I just can't really dive into this one too much, but even in the, the testimony to Congress last week, as they were discussing solar winds, right. The reporting from solar winds was, Hey, we had an intern use a stupid password, right? And so it was another sort of, hey, this is fundamentals, right? This is this is baby stuff that we're supposed to know and and be disciplined about. And you know, you're a major com company, you're a water utility, you should have this stuff down. Unfortunately, we don't always have this stuff down, right? And then that goes across the board across all domains, right? Whether it's responding to a pandemic and there's some things we should have had down, or responding to an active shooter and there's some things we should have had down. There, there's fundamentals all the time that come up time and again is really the biggest culprits in, in these situations, however scary they look and whatever big deal it might be. And absolutely, there's some really big deals relating to this. And solar winds is absolutely a, a very big deal. But it all so often comes back to those fundamentals. And, and, and the team at, uh, you know, in, in the water sector has, has put out some really good guidance on fundamentals right, for water utilities. And going back to that blocking and tackling type stuff, that guidance is out there and it's accessible, right? Absolutely. Um, boy, I had a thought and it completely escaped me. It got me distracted with the solar winds because I actually had a comment to that one. But oh, yeah, it's it's about mastering the basics and, and cybersecurity doesn't have to be expensive in a lot of cases, especially, you know, maybe cybersecurity at smaller facilities, whether it's a utility or just a small business kind of gets snoozed because, well, we can't afford that. So they don't do anything, which is dangerous. But I think the misnomer is it could cost very little. Yeah, you, you might need a friend who does cybersecurity, that kind of thing to help out. You know, maybe it's not all completely obvious, but there are free resources, so many free resources out there and free frameworks that are easily digestible, like the, uh, for, you know, water and wastewater or for the, uh, for water ISAC, we have the 15 cybersecurity fundamentals. Um, so it's a, just a basic guide that gives you an idea with a list of resources of the things that you need to take care of. And a lot of those don't require the next shiny thing. Um, you don't have to buy the next biggest and best product. A lot of times it's leveraging products that you already have, or maybe, you know, learning how to configure them a little bit different. There's nothing wrong with TeamViewer. <clears throat> I say that tongue in cheek um, in general, um, but you can't plug and play remote access from that perspective. So it was, they didn't, you know, they needed a quick solution at one point. We're going to presume that. Um, they also said they hadn't used it in six months. So not sure when it was installed or why, but they hadn't used it reportedly in, in, in a number of years or a number of months, but it was probably installed quickly because someone needed remote access. Maybe it was used once, who knows? But the point is they plugged it in, they played it, they got their access and they moved on and they forgot about it and left it in that unsecured fashion, which made it really easy for that actor, whomever that actor was uh, to leverage it and then move on to the um, industrial control system uh, that was able to um, modify the, the chlorine level or yeah. No, sodium hydroxide levels, sorry. No, but you, you, you some really good points there, right? And I think, you know, as, as you've been conducting this this series during the Cybersecurity Evangelist the last couple of months, and with a few more to go, focusing on the Information Sharing Analysis Center and Information Sharing Analysis Organization community, ISACs and ISAOs, I think for, for people like Dave and I who aren't that smart and don't have any friends, that's the power of the ISAC and ISAO community, right? Because 
nobody should be trying to operate on their own and expect to be successful, but being able to reach out to those trusted communities, peer organizations and ask, like, is there something I can look to here? Is there a reference here? What are you doing here? That's part of the power of the community. And so nobody feels like they have to race out on their own or recreate the wheel every time because, you know, again, rocks like Dave and I would be lost if it was left to us alone, but we can leverage others. We can look at other experts and, and learn from one another and do great things. So I think there's a lot to learn from that. We'll share a lot of, I think, uh, good links of things you touched on there, Jen, and our team just put out a, a short blog post looking at that incident as well. Um, it's earlier today, actually. So we'll, we'll include a number of links related to this incident. Please feel free to reach out to our if you've got any questions or any additional resources, and we'll do our best to, um, to, to share whatever we can. And Jen's got a whole host of good information and ideas that she can tap into as well. But why don't we shift over to Dave. Dave, I know you were looking at some clearly other incidents in the environment of the last few weeks. Anything you want to share from your end? Well, I, I do think it was very appropriate to put in on the back end of Jen's comments about you know, things is, there, there's a great quote from a, a, a favorite movie of mine that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. And, and I think that's very appropriate coming from Dark Helmet, Lord Helmet himself, that, you know, just to reinforce Jen's points is like, if we just followed basic cyber hygiene and did our, our the basics and we did them really well, we would be so far ahead and we don't need all the elaborate systems. We don't need all these additional tools and platforms, but we know that that's hard to do. We know following the rules is hard. And, and so, um, you know, you have to require some of those additional things. So, I, you know, if you just did the basics, if you did what you were supposed to do, you're gonna be ahead of the game. And then you leverage the ISAC community to help out in those other areas. I, I think that's such a winning solution and, and it's not rocket science. We just have to get better about it and we have to hold people accountable when they do make mistakes. But a lot of lessons learned from that uh, from that incident. Uh, but if you- before, before you go, Dave, I think you, you touched on this. I just wanna make this comment. I'm gonna make it and I'm gonna try to keep it as non, um, as clean as I can. But I think a really important point that we touched on here with the basics and Anthony, I was thinking about a lot this weekend and just, for every sort of thing about looking back at the pandemic, right? So many opportunities there, right? So many blocking and tackling type issues there. And, and we didn't do nearly any of them as this thing started to develop, right? Look back a year ago. And I, one thing I'm really hoping, and again, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here, but I'm really hoping that a really thorough, deliberate, transparent, and publicly accessible after action report comes out looking at this whole process and hoping that the government can keep that non-political and just look at the facts because there were so many things that could have happened, should have happened, could have been in place, were in place, and we didn't do any of them. And, and you know, that's not to pick on anybody in particular, any, any you know, leader, agency, whatever, but, but that's so often the case because so often we do have plans we don't follow. We do have best practices we don't follow. Across, yeah, I, I agree, right? And we see it across cyber, physical, natural hazards, health, and everything else. So I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a common issue and challenge and something I hope we'll get a chance to figure out. So um, anyhow, thanks for giving me a minute just to make that little whiny request, but back to you, Dave. Well, I, 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 you, that's a great point. If we just took away the politicalization of all of these, the commentary, I think we'd probably be much further along, but you're right. I don't want to get into name point or anything. If we just did our basics, on all of these things, on physical security, cybersecurity, and just in general, 
um, we'd be very far ahead. But I, I think we allow other things to get in the, the midst of it. But I, I can't even remember, Andy. What was your comment? What was your question to me? I, I'm trying. I've lost the the track of what I was supposed to be saying. Well, between your dog barking and my dog barking back at your dog, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think you, you had some separate topics to address regarding physical screen. You've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Have there been some things on your radar that you went to share today as well, right? Yeah, I I, I feel like a broken record in some respects because I, I it's the same things, but th th there is keeps. The, the same things keep popping up. I, I'm interested to see, you know, this week there's the uh, the 4th of March is supposed to be the the new target date for anybody who's believing that President or former President Trump is going to ascend to the presidency on some miraculous um, event occurring of some sort, if you believe in conspiracy theories. Um, I, I think I find it interesting. And again, they're already backdooring you know, the escape out of it and say, oh, we don't actually believe in the 4th of March. You know, it, it's, it's interesting when you evaluate, and I, to your point about going into doing a deep dive about, you know, uh, uh, topics. I mean, this QAnon conspiracy theory is a great topic. How it got started, how it evolved with a, with a president who really didn't fall in line with any of their belief systems and who just kind of was there and they felt like this guy was going to magically turn all these buttons and flip all these switches. Um, and then to the scene, the ending and conclusion when President uh, Biden took office and now it's, you know, pushing the ball forward. You know, the people who have an effort, you know, who have tied their identities to this group and this can apply to militia groups, this can apply to any governmental forces or extremist groups. You know, they've tied their identity to this belief system. And we really have to, and then when it doesn't work out, then either the identity is crushed and these individuals have, you know, nothing to show for it, or, um, you know, they, they find something new to latch on to in, in a new you know, a, a new thought or, or a new loophole that they can plow through. And, and I think it's really important for organizations to understand this belief system and belief set. And I don't mean QAnon specifically, it's just extremist mentality um, because they're socialized to believe certain things and to break that socialization process, it really is a de-radicalization and you have to approach it it's not so simple as saying, hey, that's stupid. Stop believing in that. That's not real. That, that's not an effective counter. And so I think for organizations, it'll be important when they work through the back of this and, and say, hey, you know, how do we bring people back into the fold here? What are our responsibilities, if anything? And if not, then what are our, our options for dealing with these types of situations? Because, you know, we've become so, we, we only listen to what we want to listen to. We only believe what we want to believe in. And we don't consider alternative points of view very rarely anymore. And that's driven from the top all the way down to the bottom, regardless of who's the president, who, who's the, the speaker of the house or, or the Senate majority leader, those things are going to change. But you know, we're, we're not considering alternative points of view. And so as I look at that, and then I look at, you know, what's going to happen with the George Floyd murder trial, which starts 
in the beginning of March here. And it's going to go for a long time because this is just the first individual. The, the other ones are going to be, I believe it's August where that trial begins. So we're going to be around this for a long time. We saw the Rochester um, grand jury where they didn't press charges against the police officers who, who, uh, who were responsible or who had an individual die under their care or, or their aggressive behaviors. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see this next couple months play out um, and to see if there's anything done at the governmental level that that could impact that moving forward. So uh, that's what I'm keeping an eye on just in, in general. Um, I, again, not to sound like a broken record. Well, maybe you hit a couple of dates here and I'll come back to some of the political comments as well because I think you know, there's, there's some things to be noted there. But um, in addition, you, you've done a lot of writing on this in recent weeks and there are some other notable events. Right? I've got a number of you know, major religious activity the next month or so, right? Starting with with Lent for for, for, the, for for the Christian calendar, but major events for the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim faith, you know, over the next 30, 40 days or so. And um, we've also got the notable anniversary of the Christchurch terrorist attack where the mosques were attacked. So there's some really significant things happening in the month of March that, you know, at least, at least create points of awareness for a thing when we try to be security minded on things that could be triggering events, could be you know, looked at by, by adversaries as they look at what they may want to do or, or not do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The religious events, we hit all three of the major um, major uh, religions in the world in the next two, two months, uh, bef between mid-May, now and mid-May. So you got, you're in the middle of Lent right now for the Christian faith, and, and that'll, Easter is uh, the first week of April, and then you have Passover for the Jewish uh, faith, and then Ramadan starts, I think it's mid-April that goes through mid-May, mid and these ideas that, um, you know, generally speaking, places of worship may be off limits for, on these major events, just over the last couple of years haven't proven true. We had the big Sri Lanka attack uh, on Easter uh, that attacked hotels, um, restaurants, and, and, and then the churches. And then we had the, the, obviously the Christ church shooting as well, which, which was why we talked about Singapore a couple of weeks back, because this is an individual who analyzed that, excuse me, that attack and, and uh, was trying to mirror copycat that. So we do have to look at these, especially as we're getting vaccinated and people are moving out and about and, and services are going to start opening up, um, you know, commercial facilities establishments are going to be opening up. This is a, this is a concerning time, you know, these organizations need to really, this is an opening where full capacity is going to be back again and, and uh, within a couple months. And, and so are you prepared for that now? Yeah, a lot of good points, a lot of things for security leaders to keep on their radars or think about upcoming events and dates. And I just think it's worth mentioning as you talk about some of the political events and, and tensions, you know, QAnon and others, and, you know, the, the 4th of March is being talked about for a while, now sort of being less talked about as a very shifting sort of uh, system of belief. But, you know, there were comments expressed recently as there were hearings on the, the January 6th uh, ride at the Capitol, and there were comments being made that, hey, there's continued concern about those that may want to attack in the Washington DC area for, for, for a while to come, right? Major events and you know, Senator Mark Warner of Virginia said he's gonna be a long-term threat. I think it's worth noting, um, because I think if you're respectful, while people were quick to blast President Trump, former President Trump, um, you know, for the things he did or didn't do leading up to January 6th in his, in his first notable speech given over this last weekend, the end of February, uh, the, the former president 
while he repeated some claims of basically having really won the election, didn't do anything to incite, I don't think, any kind of hostile event. He, he didn't sort of um, encourage anything what people might like or not like his comments. I think it is important to, to see sort of are we escalating or defusing tensions. And I think it's sort of that arc of, of where we've been with, with this immediate threat, right, to the nation's capital. I don't think anything to further contribute to that right now. And that, that's, I think, at least a positive step because there are some serious concerns about what could happen in, in DC, you know, with the State of the Union address and other events have been discussed by you know, police leaders and others. And so it's just worth sort of, you know, what people say and what they don't say is important. I think we're, we're quick to blast uh, leaders of all stripes. We should also acknowledge when maybe they're, you know, not, not adding to that fire. It's just, it's just worth a, a side note there. So good point. So let me ask you this, and this is, I'm just gonna I'll preempt a lot of things here, but like, um, or disrupt the thing. What role does the, the media play in being accountable to um, this, you know, kind of some of these insightful remarks and stuff? Do you think that they, by, by needing to feel or feel the need to fill time on a 24 hour news channel, do they cover things or overcover things um, to the point where not non-issue, you know, Tr Trump had his speech yesterday and there was days of just ad nauseum discussion about what he's going to say and all this other stuff. And you're right. I mean, he basically just said, hey, I'm, you know, it was a regular Trump rally, right? I'm, it, talked a couple of things here and there, but do we, does the media have any responsibility in this? Whereas they may feel like they're the honest broker, but maybe they're not. Well, I'll say this. I mean, I think, I think, yes, the media does have responsibility. And yes, the media does sometimes feed you know, the goods and the bads of these events. But we have to always sort of look at the whole, the whole story. And while the media plays a role, there's a consumer that's being fed, right? So I would, I would challenge it. While the media's role and responsibility and, and, and the, the bias on all sides of the issues, whatever opinion you have, there's a flavor for everybody. And there's a channel you can tune into. There's somewhere you can go on social media, right? There's a Reddit, uh, you know, dive you can take. There's something for everybody, whatever your opinions. So you can sort of reinforce your beliefs and find what you want. But at the end of the day, it's really us, the consumer, right? We're, we're looking for that information. We're looking to be fed and we're diving headlong, head forward, uh, you know, head down into those things that we want to consume and hear and reinforce those own beliefs and opinions that we have so often that it's easy to blame others. You know, oh, the, you know, the left-wing media, the right-wing media, this network, that network, Twitter, you know, parlor, whatever. But at the end of the day, right, to take a, a popular well-known saying, we've seen the enemy and the enemy is us, right? We're, we're, we're that guy. <laughs> we're the guy that's consuming. We're the guy that's demanding. We're the guy that's doing. And so, you know, turn off that feed for a little while, go outside and shoot some hoops, enjoy the spring weather as it comes in, take a break, you know, relax a little bit. I think we, we have a role to play there as well. So before blaming the media or even individual leaders or agitators, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking for our own actions and decisions we make, and um, sometimes we lose sight of that too. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the soapbox. Jen, you want to add anything before we before we pivot? I think we spent enough time on this topic, but wow. um, I can just wow. say, <laughs> hey, thanks, Jen. I'm trying to get. We kept it down to a manageable size last time, and I was like, hey, come on, guys. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's do it then. Let's do it with Jen, not so subtle. I was <laughs> I was just teasing, um, but 
just the point about confirmation bias for everything that you might read that confirms what you want to see. I'm going to find 10 more things that confirm what I want to see. And then it, we just keep going back and forth. And it, it's just the cycle has to stop. Like you said, Andy, walk away, go play some hoops, put down the social media and just walk away, kiss your wife, kiss your dogs, whatever, but just walk away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we've talked about this. Our teams talk about this. We've talked about this with some of the communities we work and operate in as far as security bias, right? And security blindness and sort of looking at the things that we like and, and uh, downplaying the threats and looking at the things that we don't like and exaggerating the threats. And there, there, there's lessons for all of us to learn throughout this whole process. But let's let's move. We, we've hit our, our first part of the discussion. Let's move to our roulette round. Dave, you, you let down everybody last month with your failure to provide transition music. Did you Redeem yourself this month. Do you have something queued up for us to make the transition, or is the ball slow on the floor? Uh, that's Jazz my hands. ball dropping. Jazz. Maybe I'll surprise everyone. <laughs> All right. So, roulette round, Dave, since you can get to start the first time, I know that sometimes hurts your feelings. So, you want to start us off with the roulette round today? Well, I kind of preempted a little of that because I, I talked about the, the, media coverage and such, but it kind of ties in with that. So, you know, we're getting in, you know, we just had a bad month of February for, it was even bad down here in Florida. It was overcast. It was kind of down in the fifties at days, sometimes in the sixties. And I know it's terrible, but you know, and, and up obviously mid Atlantic, there's a lot more. Um, But I, I wonder, you know, like is, is whether something that we, overreact to but it underperforms or is it the opposite way where it's 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 always and we're getting the tornado season spring with tornado season and stuff and i mean is it something where um you know the coverage oversells it where it's it's dangerous and and but don't we all get it by now do do we need the media to tell us that hey it's gonna be a bad winter storm stay off the roads maybe maybe we do well, I'll speak from, from my neck of the woods here in lovely Northern Virginia. We're, we're always somehow shocked when the first snow hits the ground, right? I mean, it happens every year, but that first dusting causes pandemonium uh, in so many respects. So I, th- I think it's a lot of things. I think we, we tend to under and overestimate uh, systems. And I think it comes down to basically a lack of, of proper preparedness to start with, right? If we're properly prepared, if we've got some things in place, we can make it for a few days, you know, then then we'll be okay regardless of what happens because weather shifts so often. But um, I mean, Texas was an awful situation, right? And I don't think anybody anticipated that. Um, definitely some lessons learned from an infrastructure standpoint, preparedness standpoint, but the individual user level, people weren't ready, right? They didn't have backup options in a lot of cases and that there's lessons to learn in that. And I think, you know, if anything we've learned through this pandemic is that we have to have some basic things in place because we may not always have the comforts that we're used to. And I think with weather planning, a lot of those basic fundamentals, like we talked about earlier, with whether it's regards to active shooter or basic cybersecurity, we don't we don't have those basic fundamentals in place. We are thrown off by the weather um, when it comes. But back to the reporting, yeah, every snowstorm gets a name, and we all freak out about it, and it is oftentimes a letdown as well. So it's it's a mixed bag, I think, of things. I know, Jen, you're in you're in more challenging environment up there in Pennsylvania. How's it look for you? I just I. I hear, the, I hear what the forecast is and I'll like, I'll believe it when I see it, when it's, you know, doom and gloom in the next Nomageddon kind of stuff. 
So I, I, I proceed with caution, like, hey, this could happen, blah, blah, blah. This, this is what, you know, we're ready or we're not ready, whatever the case may be. But I'll believe it when I see it. And then when it hits, it's like, oh, OK, they got it right this time. OK, no problem. You don't leave your bunker anyway, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of locked yeah. up in the gen, gen <laughs> bunker anyway. So you don't know what the weather is, right? You're, you're, you're like Puxitani Phil. You come out once a year, check the weather and go back into your hole for, for more work, I think pretty much yeah it's like hey did i have enough you know wood so that i can you know feed my wood burner that was pretty much it like oh it's gonna be cold okay well, i better have that wood ready well dave anything you want to share before we move off your your weather topic for our roulette round today as you're, as no, you're, what, as you're, as no. you're spun tanning down there in florida <laughs> 81 degrees today. Um, the the uh, the no weather preparedness is very real, and I, I encourage it. It, it is uh, is tough. Um, Ready.org is a great website to go to for individuals and organizations to uh, get some good tips on weather preparedness. So that's that's all I'll say on that. Ready.org or Ready.gov. No, it's, it's uh, I think Dave's right. We'll, we'll double check. We'll, we'll provide the proper link in the notes, but um, okay. it is a great resource for all things natural hazards. And we are in a weird time of the year where we see some strange severe weather incidents occur, right? As we transition to spring with flooding, flash flooding, lightning and tornadoes, a lot of that weird weather um, that we don't, we don't account for as much in some of the- March is coming in like a lion. Like I, it's like, it's supposed to end. It's supposed to be the March and April thing. But I, th and I think I remember this last year too. It's like windy as all heck. I swear we had a little microburst last night. It was like, what is going on? Meanwhile, Dave's got his toes in the sand. Mm, yep. Yeah, 80 degrees. And, and Jen was right. It's ready.gov, not ready.org. My apologies. Ready.gov, everyone. Check <laughs> it out. And thank you, Jen. We'll have the correct link in the uh, the show notes. So, Jen, over to you. Roulette round. Anything you want to put on our radar so we call it a day here? Um, honestly, I was going to bring something up about zero trust. So I'm just throwing that out there. But, uh, but to be more... I don't want to say lighthearted, but you kind of alluded to it earlier about the blaming an intern for the solar winds thing, um, solar winds thing. Um, I former CEO blaming, you know, whatever, whatever the cause, whatever the circumstances, I blame poor security culture. <laughs> you know, um, we actually heard that in the beginning that solar winds may have may suffer from a culture issue, but you can remember, and I said this before, you can outsource or in this case offload your tasks but you can't outsource or offload your risk so the risk still belongs to solar winds sorry guys nice well dave's written a lot about that topic on sort of security culture and, and it's really instilling security into the organization from you know, every user to the top leader and and you're right there's uh there's dave i know you can probably remember there's an old military saying about that right you can you can hand off what responsibility and accountability remember how that goes uh, I, I brain dumped that all the last day. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things I there's a lot of things I took away from the army. That's uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it didn't make it. Didn't make no. it. No, but but Jim, you brought zero trust. We should reference and we'll include this link as well. The uh, the NSA just recently put out new guidance on on zero trust topic. That the hat one too. What's that? This I had some too. It's been That's talked right. a lot about since solar winds and then even, you know, uh, some measures towards the, the old tomorrow event, but, um, it, it's, it's just, if you're thinking about it, zero trust isn't, isn't that new shiny thing. It's not a new product. It's, it's more of a, set, a framework and a set of processes to go through to pretty much disable or not disable, but deny access 
to everyone at a base level and then apply um, access control on, I don't want to say case by case basis because I'm kind of watering this down a bit, but it's like whitelisting. You deny everything and then and then on case by case evaluate who needs access to what um, instead of looking at perimeter and going, oh, okay, this can come through, this can come through, this can come through. You block everything and then look at it on a micro scale on devices or users or processes um, and rein it in, rein in your access, but it's process-based and not some fancy new widget to go out and buy. That's right, I think it's a good post from Forrester that talks about exact idea. I'll, I'll look for that to include as well. So a lot of good things, both, you know, the, the comments you made earlier about, um, you know, what happened in Florida, the idea of zero trust, another sort of you know, popular phrase that, um, you know, comes up a lot that we really had a good discussion on. Uh, last, we got a chance to be part of a workshop with some of our friends in Australia, New Zealand, and the topic came up here discussing a ransomware scenario was the importance of network segmentation and how, how much of a lifesaver that can be if properly done. And so there's there's a lot of things, you know, we, we hear a lot of terms, again, it comes back to that basic hygiene, right? Putting basic process in place, understanding what you have, knowing all those endpoints, knowing what you have to do, and then building on that with those effective process and procedures and being able to you know, mitigate threats and properly respond to them when they occur. So a lot of fun phrases, a lot of good ideas, a lot of things for security leaders to be mindful of, a lot of things to look up, and we'll provide links to some of these ideas, terms, and resources in the show notes. But I think we'll start wrapping up. So Dave, as we as we wrap up, anything exciting going on in your life that you want to share for the, the public, for the common good, for everybody's awareness? Any Dave adventures we need to be aware of? Yeah, so, okay. So reference to what I'm watching, WandaVision is, is exceptional. I, I think we all appreciate the WandaVision, um, but I don't want to talk about that. I, okay. I want to talk about something else. Can I tease me there, but okay. So I have a middle school daughter who's going into high school. Uh, and in our county, you're allowed to apply to other high schools. So no longer do you have to go just where your district did, but you can apply for like each high school may have a different, you know, like concentration like business or cybersecurity or hospitality, you know, something like communications or something. So my daughter applied um, and we just assumed she was going to go to the same high school as my two older sons um, and the one that is only five minutes up the road from our house. Um, instead, um, she applied and she got accepted into another high school. Not only is it another high school and not only is it 20, 25 minutes away from the house that now we have to drive her to if, if she were to go to. But it's the rival high school of my son's high school. So think about your most hated rival that you spent. So my boys were in school for five years total, or six years total in that high school. My one son, four years, and then the overlap of two more from the, the other one. Six years I spent not liking this other high school. And now I have to cheer for this high school. I, I'm conflicted. What do I, I mean, I want to support my daughter. I want to give her, you know, that, that support, but I, I'm just not going to be able to do it. I, it's childish, but I'm just going to say it. Jen, do you want to weigh on this before I provide Dave some perspective? Um, I, 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 I'm just laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Go well, ahead. Well, Jen gathers herself. I'll say one, I want to commend Florida for giving students that flexibility and object. I think that's awesome, to be honest, right? Because you're so often stuck in, you know, the, the place you happen to call home, even though there's like seven schools around, you know, where you live. I think the fact that um, you know, Florida's made it available that you can 
try and find the school that's right for you is, is something that's really a credit to, to, to Florida. And as for, you know, the dilemma that you find yourself in, Dave, while I, I hear your your deep emotional trauma here. I think you know, being the great father that you are, you'll overcome your personal difficulties here to properly support and cheer for your daughter because I know that's the kind of man that you are. So just like, just like I'm sure you could cheer for a, a new football team if you had to, if one of your sons was playing for that rival team, I'm sure you could cheer on this high school. I think you can overcome the situation. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it, I'm as childish as I've ever been with this one. <laughs> <laughs> that we know, that we know, but we appreciate it just like we appreciate the Spaceballs reference. So, so all good stuff. Well, congratulations to your daughter and I hope it's a great experience for her. And, uh, you know, if you have to buy her a bike and tell her to ride herself to school and that'll be her punishment for, for getting selected for that opportunity. But Jen, anything happening in your neck of the woods? Any personal traumas as Dave is living through right now in his, his Florida reality? No, my trauma took place in December. So good so far, just busy. Um, otherwise, my personal life is pretty boring and um, no square pumpkins or kids going to another school district. Although that, that said, that probably would have made, make, could make life easy for some people in like a, like a, a split custody situation where somebody has to like, you're like stuck in the school district. It kind of opens things up when you, if you could go to another school district, it, if it, well, you weren't stuck, parents could move around and live where they wanted to kind of more or less. But anyway, that's just an aside to that. Trying to look at the glass half full. That's right. Way to be positive, Jen. We appreciate that. So so I'll say Dave, Dave, Dave teased up the TV shows. There's a lot of exciting things happening in the world of TV. And I don't watch a lot of TV outside of that, which I watch with my family because I don't have personal time to do that. But um, as my wife was really busy last month, I was trying to find something to do when I was too tired to do anything productive. And so I stumbled upon Cobra Kai. And I know I'm like three years late into this, but I discovered it. And yes. I was able to crush the first season. And I just want to have a public confession here because I'm sure there were many other men that experienced this as well, but there was there was an episode that I was watching where I have to admit that my eyes started doing that thing where they, they like start to leak a little bit, you know, at that awkward Salt, moment. Salty, is a salty discharge? Yeah, that weird salty discharge thing happened. And I, and I, I reassured myself that I'm sure there's a lot of other confident men who had that same experience watching Cobra Kai. So I just want to put that out there. Fun show. I've, I've, see, I've seen one season. I've got like, I think there's like, three or four now. So I've got some, some, some stuff to watch, I guess. And it'll probably take me five years to get there, but I'll get there. So that's my I wish point. listeners could have seen Dave's face when you said that. That's, I just, that was priceless. Well, I, I, my son has watched that show and he was like, you got to watch this dad. I was like, all right, whatever. And I, I got hooked in it, but you know, but then I fell off, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I need to go back to it, but I like, I can appreciate it being only 25 minutes or so that, I, you know, you can really rock out a season then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about something being short. <laughs> yeah, they like to keep things short and concise. So, hey, with that, <laughs> on that positive note, I think uh, we're going to call that a podcast. So as always, I'm looking forward to your upcoming podcast, looking forward to your guests and the discussions and look forward to listening to those. If you haven't heard those, please check them out on our podcast page, on our blog site. You can listen and subscribe from wherever you might listen to your favorite podcast. We hope that you'll do that. Um, you can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We always appreciate your feedback. You can reach, out to, reach us at podcast at gay15.global with any ideas, comments, hate mail, or whatever else you like. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. In two previous episodes, I had failed to come up with the right music. And since I kind of edit these episodes and put them together, 
I, I decided to find the right music for our risk roulette roundtable discussion uh, that that uh, occurs near the later part of each of these risk roundtable podcasts. So here's my theme song. Let us know if you like it. We can always change it for the next time. Let's play a game. Okay, let's start. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Spin the wheel.